Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaza. Chris Anderson was supposed to be here today, but he canceled just every other opponent on a basketball schedule, right? No, Chris is here. Unlike, let me see if I can count this, Texas A&M, Youngstown State. Am I missing anybody else here? Or I mean, if I include the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic, Creighton's out, Duke's out. Utah's out, Ohio State's out, Dayton's out. Dayton was a replacement, and they're out. Six teams now. I think Bad Boy is going to cross is going to come out now too. They're going to opt out of this as well. <laughs> Consider me the Northern Iowa of this podcast. Coming back in late, ready to go, ready to contribute, and and really just piss off Bob Huggins. That that's my job as Northern Iowa right now. Tall, veteran, talented. <laughs> Don't want to see him uh, around the holidays either. No, 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 not absolutely good. not. This, oh man, I feel like it's August again, and here we go talking about things I just don't want to talk about. It's impossible not to talk about this, but this this just feels so goofy and, again, really uncertain. Do you feel a little turn back the clock here where we're, we're talking about the same things and the same variables and perhaps running into the same mistakes? Or have we learned anything about, you know, you can you can manage things, you can make up games – this school that we cover seems to be okay when it comes to the virus and, and safeguards and, and, you know, negative tests, or is it just entirely TBD because the winter could be very different from, you know, the late summer, early fall. Uh, there's definitely a whiff, a, a repeat of what we went through in August. I, I think at the time we spent podcast, a full podcast lamenting the fact the leaders in charge of college football had no plan, did not work together, had no backup options, didn't know what they're doing. And so when we came up, I think it was it was last week's mailbag, I believe someone asked about about this very tournament and said, hey, what if this thing falls apart? And I think, I can't remember if I, I it was only written or if we talked about it on the podcast. And we're like, oh, come on. Of course they got backup options. Of course they got backup options. And even if West Virginia doesn't play in this tournament, they'll have options closer to home. Only to come find out that that they don't, that it's this tournament or nothing, basically, for this first week. And teams are dropping out. Uh, It sounds like it does sound like there's a a nice little waiting list to, to get into this tournament of teams that are replacing other teams. And uh, so at least that's going that way, but man, it's, it's rough seeing cancel, cancel, cancel. And then I think I just saw John Rothstein tweet the list of all the basketball programs that paused and it's up to like 20 now or something like that, that are currently paused activities at the D one level. And then West Virginia is postponing their season opener home or home opener. So you're getting a whiff of, of August all over again. Yeah, I'm going to write about this probably Sunday because I talked to Steve Urias, who's the administrator for men's basketball, senior executive AD. By the way, pound for pound, one of the best guys to talk to. Just really open and honest and smart about stuff to the point telling me that if you're asking me, do we have a backup plan if we don't play in this tournament in South Dakota? The answer is no, which is arresting. But (laughs) I can understand that, too. And his thing is like, listen, if we can't play, then we can't play. It's going to be hard to throw something together. I get that. But man. If they don't play, they're not playing until December 6th because I don't think they're, they're going to do anything to swap out Youngstown State because I bet you the Huggins wants to give Jerry Calhoun that game. Calhoun's supposed to have a good team this year. 
they'll just move that to some other spot in the schedule. There are some places they can do it. So you don't want to cross out Youngstown State and add a game that already maxed out. I was wondering if they would. You can schedule 28 games this year, right? Uh, I thought it was 20. I mean, I know they have 27 or originally right. scheduled to have 27. I thought that was the limit. I was wondering if they would schedule minus one for flexibility. Yeah. Because, for example, if you can't play Youngstown State and you don't play in this tournament in South Dakota, which, again, I'm not saying that they're playing in South Dakota. I'm saying that they're planning on leaving Monday. A lot could change, um, including South Dakota saying, this is dumb, we're not doing it. I don't foresee that. But, man, this has changed so much in the past week. Who knows? But they, they, they don't have a lot of wiggle room here. So you might have a couple more weeks where you play a game. And your first game will be Georgetown on the road. That's suboptimal. So you're really kind of crossing your fingers for a whole bunch of reasons and hoping this goes off, too. But... They um they have ideas for the season if, for example, Robert Morris can't play, if, for example, Richmond can't play. They don't have a if-then scenario where you call this team and say, but they know who's available and they have contacts. You know, Huggins has contacts. Josh Eiler has contacts. They have people who can call up and say, we'd love to come and play. Let's make it work. So it, it's going to require so much dexterity, far more than football. Football, I think the Big 12 took care of a lot of it because you're basically only playing – Big 12 games, you have that one non-conference game. If you don't play it, so what? You need these non-conference games in basketball, I think. Um, and I just wonder, when it comes to selection time, if you don't play Richmond, for example, and your best non-conference win is, I don't know, UNI, that's probably okay. But you know, I wonder how much inflation or how much reality the selection committee will put into who was able and wasn't able to play. It's almost like when they account for injuries. Yeah, this team lost three in a row, but their number two scorer was out that time. So that doesn't count as much. Well, this team doesn't have a great non-conference record, but they only got to play, you know, four out of their 10 games or something like that. Just it's going to require a whole bunch of flexibility. And I, uh, boy, it just there's no preventing it. I know that. And there's probably no proper way to make it. Here we go again. right? Well, hey, you know who might actually benefit from it this time? The Big 12, because yeah. everybody's expecting them to be amazing. Uh, what was it? Five, half of the top 10 in the Ken Palm rankings, Ken mm-hmm. Pomeroy rankings, and, you know, a bunch of teams in the top 25 of basically every other ranking. So, you know, usually it's, a, you know, we're in football and it's, oh, we're going conference only. Okay, you know, they're just going to put four SEC teams in the in the playoffs just because. But might work out in the Big 12's favor if it, if it trends towards, uh, towards that kind of situation where it's conference only mostly. All right. You want to pinch the garden hose here and just talk about this stuff when it invariably comes around later and get into actually previewing the season? Yeah, that sounds fine with me. Let's let's just delay and, and deal with it when it happens, just like yeah. everybody else in college sports. Northern Iowa, the best and worst opponent to start the season. Mm-hmm. Best because they're brave enough to take this on really short notice and probably because they prepared from last year and they can go back to scouting reports. They had darn near everybody back that was involved in last year's game where they led by 15. Bad because that's a good team that West Virginia has a lot of respect for. I don't think it's going to be scared. Of, of some of the, the height and strength that Huggins said other teams, frankly, don't want to play. And they had success against West Virginia's defense last year, so they're not going to be awed or intimidated. So, again, good quality opponent. But it's also a good quality opponent. Uh, not a great draw, but, again, not a not a bad way to start the season either if you're looking for competition. Yeah, I mean, does this instantly become, the especially with Creighton dropping out uh, of the tournament a couple of days later, does this become the best non-conference opponent for West Virginia, with the exception of maybe Florida? I mean, I guess it depends on if they play um, uh, Memphis. Like, I, I mean, Northern Iowa's got to be up there, right? Like, as the toughest non-conference opponent for them this year. 
South Dakota State, Utah State, and Wichita State is on the other end of the bracket right now. And, and somebody probably on level with them you know, in between one of those names and Northern Iowa, because Northern Iowa is the most recent one. I don't think that they've picked a replacement for Creighton yet, correct? Right. The last the last team I heard that was going to probably join the tournament if something happened was Northern Iowa. And here we are, and they happen to be West Virginia's opponent. So it's not going to be a great team over there. So this happens every time they play in the tournament, it seems like. The bracket goes haywire, and they're upsets, and they don't get to play anybody they expected to play. Um, it, this goes back to like the final four year. I remember like every game was an upset except the ones that West Virginia was involved in. And they ended up beating like Portland <laughs> in the final of a tournament that had like some really good teams. And like it just never seems to work out with them. The brackets never work. And this one, this one got haywire beforehand too. But um, I, do you like three games in three days to start the season? Like sometimes these have game, game, off day, game, or game, off day, game, game. But this is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, day before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, and day after Thanksgiving. Uh, it's probably going to benefit West Virginia more so than a lot of these other teams just because of the depth experience they got. Uh, I usually prefer three and four. I think three and three is a lot, even if these guys are doing it, uh, you know, when they're younger, AAU and all that stuff. But, um, man, that, that is a, that's a rough way to start the season. you got to fly all the way to South Dakota and then play three games in three days with your opponent changing every other day and – you don't know. You don't even know who you're going to start with, much less who you're going to play next. Um, I mean, it's challenging. But if there was ever a team, a West Virginia team, a year to do it, I think it's this year, uh, just because of, of again of the experience and the talent they have coming back. Before we go to that, because I want to get into the actual team, the preview here. To get to South Dakota, you got to pass a test, I believe, within 48 hours. I think they're going to try to do get the results day of test day before but within 48 hours when you get there you'll be tested by sanford medical or sanford health excuse me you'll test again wednesday mm-hmm. wait a minute no you'll test again yeah you'll test again in, i'm trying there's three tests and you're there before the first game after the first game and before the third game um so the, i mean who knows something could happen there you would think everybody got there healthy that's fine but and they're not going to be leaving that little bubble that they have over there too but Let's get into the actual thing here. Yeah, they have 13 players on scholarship. Senny Njai probably don't expect much of him for the entire season. Huggins said the other day he could be, he could play six years in college, which <laughs> that's kind of looking down the, the the tunnel a bit far for me. But 12 guys, how much do you expect to, to see numbers 10, 11, 12? Because it feels like definitely Keydrian Johnson, definitely Taj Thweet, I don't know, probably going to get Cottrell in the game, but I wonder how many of these guys you think you'll see that just weren't around last year. Or, you know, let's even throw Jalen Bridges in there, too. He was around, but he didn't play. So you have four guys who just are newcomers here. I think it's going to be tough for guys to get in there, and in part because of everybody coming back and also because some of the guys that are coming back, we are, we as in you and I are, are, are collectively hearing that, they're good. They're better than they were last year. And they played smaller roles last season. I'm talking, you know, specifically about Sean McNeil and Tash Sherman. I mean, they McNeil only averaged 15 minutes a game. Sherman only 13 minutes. So are, are we expecting them to play play that that little again? I, I think they're going to play a little bit more. And same with McCabe. He only played 13 minutes a game. I guess it depends on on how Huggins wants to treat that point guard spot and how much McBride can can slide to the off guard. But there's also only so many minutes that need to be made up, and they're almost 
all at the kind of wing position. I mean, it, it's it's Haley and Harler. You're replacing those minutes. So where are you going for that? You, you don't need that much more. So I think it's going to be tough for guys like Kedrian Johnson um, and, and Isaiah Cottrell and Taj Sweet to really get on the floor that much. I think Cottrell will be that guy that maybe plays a handful of minutes a game, kind of similar to Logan Rout. I think uh, Rout averaged, you know, six, seven minutes a game last year but uh we've talked about it before talked about it in the preview oscar culver but i think you also see them stagger the minutes so that at least one of those two is on the floor at all times and then instead of going with cottrell at the four maybe you go gabe at the four or you go emmett matthews at the four or jalen bridges at the quote-unquote four again something like that i'm gonna give you some intel go I love Intel. I've talked to just a bunch of people because we're not we're not allowed around, so we never get to go to practice as it is. But even this year, there's not a lot of people who are allowed in, but just people who who know some things. We, we, listen, we we know they have a bunch of guard talent, so we're wondering how will they play three guards. They're gonna do it. They have, and from what I hear, when McBride and McCabe are on the floor, and the other guard is Sherman or McNeil, it's a boat race. Like that team spins the other like a top and because the ball's moving really fast you're getting guys open you're swinging the ball and then someone's driving or scoring and making shots and it's it's one side it's a blowout so they like this three guard thing and they're doing it however Sheboy and Culver are frequently on the opposite teams when they practice in in these situations which means that you're probably going to have the four in that situation or at least the four player on the floor be Matthews or Bridges like, I don't think that you're going to see a ton of three guards with the two bigs. You can do it, but I think that there's going to be a gear they can't give to where you have guard, 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 and then Matthews Bridges, one of those two, and then Culver Sheebway. So one of them, one of the Culver Sheebway is going to be on the floor at all times, but I wonder how much we'll see them both or some combination of those two and Osa Boyan or Cottrell. But it sounds like they really like this, like, jet propel high-scoring offense with the three guards in there, too. Um, it's happened in practice and in their scrimmage situations, and... Again, it's a blowout when you have the three guards and then that ball's moving, guys are shooting and scoring. You know, if you miss it, Culver or Sheway is going to rebound it and put it back in. Um, that's that's kind of a eye opening to me too because we think so much about the the rigid stay at offense last year that just got stuck sometimes, and they're kind of leaning into what could be a strength. That's promising, right? Well, yeah, especially if outs, uh, perimeter shooting's uh, going well, Mike. Oh, have you heard? I have heard something along it. those lines. No, I'm not doing it. No, that's not, I. <laughs> I like that, and we've seen kind of hug and shift of, of like that guy, three kind of guard lineup um, all the way back to the Javon Carter, Dax Miles, Tariq Phillip kind of things, Jason Page, get, get those guys three three out there at the same time. But I can see where it's different because you, need, you can't go three guards and then, like you said, Oscar Culver. You have no in-between to guard any of the, the bigger wings. So it's... I I like the idea because I, I God, I, I went back and looked at my preview from last year. Boy, was I all in on McNeil and Sherman. Holy cow. I was mm-hmm. um whew. Uh so maybe they'll get close to that. Maybe eighty percent of what I predicted last year. They can get to that and that'd be pretty good. And you get those guys out on the floor, I think you can really push it offensively. And I think they have enough length that you can still be a terror defensively because i think if you get gabe out there 
or Gabe and, you know, Oscar or Gabe and Culver, and, you know, you got the inside cover, you got the rebounding, you're not going to get out rebounded. You, you should do, be able to do just fine. And you have enough length to kind of defend those bigger wings and, and the big man down low. And then Taz, uh, was he seven, one now seven, two. So that's good. Uh, uh, Sean McNeil, Sean McNeil's like, I think he's only wow. listed at six, three, but McNeil's kind of, uh, he, he's got some, some muscle to him yeah. and he's got some athleticism. I mean, we saw it as far back as, when he was playing in Spain and when we saw him in his junior college tape, he, he, he elevates, he's got some athleticism. He's got some quickness. So I think, you know, a McBride, McNeil, Sherman, Gabe and Oscar or Culver lineup, you're looking pretty solid and you, and you cover all your bases and you still have a lot of offense out there. Yeah. I wonder how much experimentation they'll do with that stuff early on. Now you might be able to get away with it or you might have to do it against Northern Iowa just because their lineups, they're not going to get out of their lineups because they don't have the personnel to go, a Shibway Culver kind of a look, but my, my sense is that you're not going to see in, in the normal course of action here in a game, especially this first game, that you're going to see guys 10, 11, 12. And I, you're right. Cottrell, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think a lot of people look at the stars and the, the ratings and say, this guy's got a starter play. We're not even talking about that because the roster seems like it's in such a good situation, which makes me think that in a normal year, you might see freshmen or newcomers get to play and listen, you're going to, you're going to try by failing or you're going to learn by failing and trying not going to happen here. You don't have to do that. You're not going to get guys who fall down and get back up. Um, and Huggins is kind of known for for going with the guys he trusts, and he's got a lot of them this year, too. So he doesn't really have to supplement with guys he doesn't know. I think especially in this tournament, you're going to see him really consolidate the minutes. He'd like to win it, especially the way he was talking yesterday. Like He's, he's really going to put his chips in the middle here uh, by saying that isn't fair and that they're at a disadvantage. And I think if he wins this, he's at least talked his team the same. You know, it's it's us against the entire establishment here. Wow, what if we win this tournament? Then they're going to have a ton of momentum going into a long break because they don't play again until December 9th. But kind of like the way it situates here if they if they play this right and it seems that they have the chance there too. Um, defensively, it's always a work in progress at the start of the season. They haven't been full-blown press Virginia in a while. I'm not sure they will be. I think that might be a, a change-up or a curveball. They may get into a really good groove where they're just, they're just doing it again and again and again. It works, but... It seems like the days of front-to-back, wire-to-wire pressing are probably gone. It could be their main defense, but 40 minutes at a time, that seems that seems far gone, right? Yeah. It, real quick tangent before I get to more of an answer. Does it bother yeah. you that like that a lot of people are like, hey, press Virginia. It's like, hey, press, it hasn't been press Virginia for, for a few seasons now. Why do you keep calling them press Virginia? It's yeah. like, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I know. I think they do well enough. They, I think – he went press Virginia before because that suited the, the players they had, the quickness they had, the on-ball defender they had, uh, like especially with Javon Carter. Now they have the length at all those positions, and that really lends itself to stingy, stingy half-court defense. You make the court smaller, mm-hmm. make it make it more difficult to get passes, slow that offense down, and make them take shots late in the um, late in the shot clock. So the, the I know. Press Virginia is fun, and I think this team can do very well with that if they decided to go that way. But I think it's more built around a slower style on defense, a half-court. I mean, it doesn't have to be slow. It can be an aggressive half-court defense, but it's great because they have that length, because they have that rim protectors, and that's plural, back there mm-hmm. uh, near the rim in Culver and Shibway. Yeah. I think the, the good thing about the roster is that – 
you got a bunch of veterans who are going to mesh well and just figure this thing out on their own at times on the floor. Which means you could probably do a bunch of stuff. Like he always jokes about playing zone and this and that, but he does he does play zone. But their their man, their man is almost like a zone. And what I mean by that is it, it requires so much coordination. Even though you're not playing a zone, I don't know if that makes sense. But they play so much as one, even though it's man to man with you know you know the the lines they keep and how they don't want the ball to go here and they try to when the ball goes to one half of the floor they do not want it coming back. So they're kind of working together as one there. And I, I just feel like they can probably mm-hmm. do that. And and more importantly. Just the, the the flexibility they have with their personnel, they could they could really match up with a whole bunch of different teams and still be good offensively and not give things away. In the past, you wouldn't play certain defenses or you wouldn't play certain offenses because of liabilities on the other end. It just feels like with their available players, they can they can find ways around that. And I could think that whatever they like best or they do best on defense, they could stick into that because they probably aren't too worried about losing stuff on the offensive end. And again, that's that's the blessing of having what seems like a pretty solid too deep in basketball terms here and boy, it's going to pay dividends just figuring out what they do. But you're right. Um, it's, it's a good thing to have. And if you can throw it at people and hit them with it again and again, sure. But do you have to? I don't know. Maybe not. So power probably by the back. Those guys at the back end. But they're looks like their guards and their length in particular on the wing could be good because obviously seven-footer Taz Sherman, McNeil, long-ish, but also athletic. Uh, McBride's pretty long. If you play Johnson, he's a, a pretty valuable defender. You can do that. Bridges, Matthews, you just have a number of long guys, too. And that's that's a pretty big asset there, too. Um, offensively, spacing is going to be the big thing. Obviously, this comes down to shooters. And we just talked about the ways they could put three on the floor. Maybe four if you have Bridges. Bridges apparently is a much better shooter than Matthews. Matthews superior slasher driver. But, hey, if you have that versatility of that position, that's good. Chris, you played the game. You were big. You were demanding space, and you were down low and trying to get the double off of you. Um, how how do they do this with the personnel they have? It's obviously making shots, but you got to get into the shots. You can't just cross half court and pull up. What are they going to do to get open and free those two guys down low, but also make sure that they have space in the perimeter too? Well, I think I know what they're going to do, uh, and that a lot of that is um, give it to Culver, which is at times frustrating. I, I spent entirely too long on this. Um, I just pulled it back up back in February uh, from last season about offensive spacing and where Culver gets the ball. I went through the film review where he touched the ball every single time. And it was, it's infuriating at times because I know, and it's, and it's probably infuriating for Huggins as well, because he, he sees it. And, and when Culver does it right, when he gets to the right spot and by the right spot, I mean, on the actual block, like actually on the block down in the post. When he gets there and gets the ball there, he's great. Yeah. You know, he he the the offense is spread out and guys cut and he is a good passer. He is a good passer. Uh sometimes he gets a little antsy, makes some bad decisions, but you know, he's he's not a point guard. He's a big man. And big man don't know how to pass, trust me. Um <laughs> he uh but too often last year, I, I don't know if it was effort, if it was bad decisions by other players on the team, whatever you want to do, you know, that's for Huggins to decide and film review and talk to his players about, but it covers getting the ball 15 feet from the basket when he's supposed to be posting up three feet from the basket. He's getting it <clears throat> down in the short corner behind, behind the backboard with no angle to shoot the ball, no angle to pass the ball easily trapped. And so I think Huggins is going to stick with that, trying to get Culver the ball, letting the offense center around him. But it's not going to work if he doesn't get to the right spot. He has to get to the right spot. And 
I think when he's on the court, they're going to try to run the offense through him. When he's not on the court, I don't know if Oscar has that in him. I mean, he Oscar's post game is, I don't want to say basic, but he's not the passer that Culver is. I don't think he sees the court like Culver does. So I don't know if you can run the entire offense through him. And that's where I would like to see more of that three-guard lineup that you're talking about, where the ball is just slinging all around. Because that was my issue with McBride last year, was I felt too often he was just pounding the ball up near half court until it was too late in the shot clock. Something else that's been coming up a bunch, and this is where I want to say that West Virginia's offense has been behind, but when you were trying to square peg the round hole of college basketball in 2019-2020, everybody's playing small space, you know, get your shots, dash around, ball screens, and, and West Virginia's playing two bigs down low. Not that it's wrong. Like, again, I think we agree you find your best five guys and you make it work, and certainly those two are your best fives and make it work. But roll and replace has been mentioned a billion times in the preseason. To the novice like me, Chris, what is roll and replace? What does it look like? What's the goal here? <laughs> well, you always want, you, you're trying to get mis- mis- mismatches here. Um, and with West Virginia's offense, with West Virginia's big men, you want to, you're going to try to get a smaller guy on him and get them near the rim and in motion. And I think that's that's kind of key. You want to hit them in motion, rolling. And if they're not there, there is another guy coming back up to the spot where he first was to replace him. And preferably that guy is a shooter. Uh, but I don't know if you're – West Virginia has the keys for that to be a great offense. I think I think they have all the right pieces so it's it makes sense that Huggins likes that. It makes sense, but everybody's got to be on the same page, and everybody's got to get always got to move. And again, it's always about getting the spacing and getting to the right spot, which is something they struggled with last year. So we're talking about the shooters, and you have some above the rim players. So yeah, if you're replacing a guy up top with a three point shooter, that's good. Um, if the guy that's diving is a is a above the rim player, that's good. You're talking lobs. You're talking open threes. Yeah, it seems to me McCabe is the key to this, and I, I watch him play. He just seems like he's a ball screen guard. Doesn't that seem to be a, a key part of this? Like, yeah. you're right, Mc, McBride dribbled too much. And is he going to look for his own maybe too much? Is he going to go last year where he seemed a bit predictable? But I just think that if they if they commit to this, they have the players around. Probably a pretty good ball screen point guard. Uh, yeah, probably. I think either one of them. Uh, sorry, I was looking at something real quick. What Was it? McCabe, you're saying was a pretty good off the yeah. ball or dribbling right. point guard. Yeah. Um, not only, not obviously, I mean, his handles, I think we've known about since he was what, six years old and on the Ellen show and doing that stuff with Steph Curry, but he can get to the rim. He can, and the advanced statistics that uh, Kevin Flaherty, who works with at 24 seven sports with us. And he shared with me that McCabe, not only with the passing, we know he's a good passer. We know he can dribble. But his shot selection, his shot shooting ability, unlike what Hug, you know, Huggins always talks about when he's talking about guys hitting open shots, hitting threes, it's the step-in shots. Mm-hmm. And by that, he means the guy off the ball, standing near the perimeter, getting a, getting a pass to them and stepping into a three uh, after catching the pass. Just catch the pass, shoot. McCabe's shooting abilities, his stats, his percentages – I'll say he is drastically better shooting off the dribble, which is yeah. extremely uncommon. But if you've ever watched him play all the way from middle school up until college, it makes sense. 
So he in that spot as a as the point guard in this uh, role in place coming off the screen, that should be great for him because he is a good enough passer to get it to the roller. He is a good enough shooter, especially off the dribble, that if his man, if they don't hedge or his man doesn't get across or open up the gate to get to him, he should be able to hit some threes because he's coming off the off the dribble, which is what he wants to do. This makes sense. I mean, you see you have you got the ingredients to make the right recipe and it works too. I don't know, good. Uh schedule. Presuming they get to this tournament, they got some time off, and then they either play somebody, which I don't think will happen before Georgetown, they play Georgetown. Non-conference is kind of fun and interrupts Big 12 play. There's really no reason. There's no way around that because the way this is condensed this year. But Big 12 is going to be tough. I think we know that. As you said, half of the Kempom top 10 is Big 12 teams. They're probably not going to go very far from there during the season. There's always a surprise team that is better than you think. Curious who your candidate would be for that now that you look at it because that's somebody in the bottom half of the conference is probably going toward the top. But... Uh, we're worried, obviously, about no bubbles and scheduling these games in close proximity. Do you have enough time to reschedule them? I don't know. Again, that's an issue that is probably separate from this discussion we're trying to have, which is you know optimistic, hopefully. We're opening the window and not shutting it. But I do like the way this works out. Um, this is a really good year to have. Saturday, Mondays, West Virginia gets three of them, including one when they're out of class, so that's good. But um, one is both games at home, I believe, and one is road and home, so that's good. And then... They don't end with like the typically brutal grind that they usually do. They always get like Kansas or Baylor or Texas Tech or somebody at the end. They're getting TCU and Kansas State this year. I don't think there's high hopes for either one of those teams. I don't think one of them is going to be that that bottom up team that goes from the cellar to the, the the top floor or somewhere close. So there's a pretty good chance that the schedule is manageable and and that I think even Bob Huggins would be like, okay, I don't mind this grind. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I don't either. I think it looks good. It's it, the one question I have for you, and I brought it up before we hopped on the podcast here, and and, and share with me your thoughts. I was mm-hmm. curious: is it better, given what all is going on with the pandemic and everything? Would it be better for those Saturday Mondays to be both away, like Saturday Monday versus Baylor and TCU? So you just go to Dallas Fort Worth and and hang out. Uh, you know, Waco's not too far from there, or 
uh, Saturday, Monday, Kansas, Kansas State, both on the road. And is it is it yeah. less travel? So then you you know you just go and you stay in your hotel room, and and you get guys you just staying in the hotel room all Sunday. We'll go to the ballroom and watch some some film of the game Saturday. Then you know walk through some stuff for Sunday or, or walk through some stuff for the next game, and that's it. And then we go home. Don't you think that would be better? I'm surprised they didn't do that more. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know what it would take to do, but I would try to get the team that traveling to travel twice, and I would try to get the team that's home twice. If you could make that work, is that because again, listen, someone's gonna have to travel for both games. I get that, but if if the other team doesn't have to travel, you're 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 just reducing the exposure. It's it's a weird arithmetic thing, but listen, West Virginia is gonna be far more likely to, or any team is gonna be far more likely to endanger itself if it's going from. City A to City B, airport, airport, hotel, hotel, whatever. Probably have to go out and eat or have food brought in or something like that. Then a team that's at home and is in its own little bubble by its 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 basketball campus. And I wish they could have found a way to do that. Looking at the schedule, there's not a lot they could do, it looks like, to make that happen. So I wonder. But I don't see a lot of home and homes on Saturday and Mondays for teams. But you're, you're not going to have a chance to do any type of proactive testing in between those. You're not going to know, I don't think. Even if it's a 9 o'clock Monday tip, are you going to get the test back Sunday night? Maybe. And you're you're dealing with you know, 13 scholarship players as opposed to 85 for football. So maybe it comes back quicker. I just don't know yet. There's so much I don't know yet. Let me ask you something here. And hopefully you do know this, Mike. Um, I, I was pretty proud of my quote unquote closing five last year. Who do you got this year? Who's your closing five this this time around? I, yeah, it's I think, funny. I was no, sorry. No, no. I was quizzing people on like, hey, who starts. And the, the general answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Like we're, we're waiting to see ourselves like because – they have a whole bunch of different options. And I wonder if it's, is it one thing where like McCabe started every game last year? Should he have, right. I don't know. He got off the floor pretty quick sometimes, but like, I wonder if it's like, listen, we want to have a team that's going to be on the floor for a while, or does it just eventually settle into the group of who are your best, best five players? I don't know. Um, like last year, Matthews wasn't a good free throw shooter. The year before he was like plus 80%. Do you want him on the floor late in the game? Maybe, maybe not. Culver was lights out of the free throw line early and then reverted to, probably Derek Culver level performance at the foul line. Um, I probably want Shibuya in a, at the very least going to get rebounds and probably want Culver in too, because I just think that's your best five. I'm not ducking you here. I'm just, I'm, I'm really curious to see who rounds out this group. Like who's, who's as good as they say, who's better than they were, who deserves to be in this because there are so many, there are so many ladles in the punch right now. Everybody wants to taste this. I don't know who's going to be there at the end. I just, it's that's what's kind of exciting about this. I just don't know. There's a lot of things to like. There's a lot of people to like, and I'll be watching as many other people are saying, "All right, how do they start? How do they evolve? How do they match up? How do they erase a disadvantage? How do they create an advantage?" And then listen, when this thing gets close, which is it's probably going to happen at the end of one of these first games, who do they lean on? I don't know. I think you can make a case that obviously the two bigs and McBride are certainly in there. But after that, McCabe, Sherman, McNeil, it's going to be some combination of those guys, I think. Yeah, last year I felt extremely confident in making my closing five prediction, and it pretty much worked out that way. But the linchpin of that was Jermaine Haley. And now that he's gone, I feel like, you know, because he was, such, he was a ball handler, he was a wing, he could play defense, he could rebound. And with him gone, it kind of throws my whole, my whole lineup out of whack. Which way do I want to go? Because like you said— May, is Matthews that guy that subs in for, for Haley in my closing five and that's it? Or what do you need to do? And I think obviously it, it changes depending on if your closing five is up up five points or down five points. Uh, would we change who you want on the floor? 
But um, man, that 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 loss of Haley's a little sneaky, sneaky tough. I mean, he's he's the one starter, the one guy who played. I mean, Harler played some minutes, but Haley was a very versatile player that I, I think really gave them some flexibility. And and they're gonna miss him. I mean, they got a lot of guys back, but that that's a guy that that's hard to replace. I don't think they're gonna say this, but I think that there's optimism that it could be a plus without him there. No oh. one's ha- no one's happy he's gone. And I honestly, I think that had the rule been in place where he can get another year back before, I think he might be on this team, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting proposition. But I think that you're looking at a team that says our strength is being a little bit more open, having shooters. Haley was not a shooter. No, I mean, he couldn't get a restraining order sometimes in the person guarding him because that person wasn't that close and wasn't interested in shooting threes. And then when he did, it was a surprise, it seemed like. And his thing was to drive. And after a while, man, you put scouting reports together, you figure out where he's going to drive it. And he became a little bit limited, I think. Really good defender. But you're talking about a West Virginia team that has a lot of guards. Can you build a defender? Heck yeah. Do they have guards? Heck yeah. Can they find a way to scrape together 8.4 points in 24.2 minutes from improved Jordan McCabe, improved Deuce McBride, improved Tash Herman, improved Sean McNeil. I like your chances there. And I think that overall offensively, they're going to be better or at least have the capability to be better. I don't know if they're going to make shots. I've heard guys are making shots, but I don't know if they will. Can they do that a little bit more easily without Haley? I don't want to say in the way, but, Sometimes he was a bit of an obstruction on offense. He had good skills, but I feel like they're kind of replaceable. And like in the way this offense goes right now, it's a little bit. It might be a little bit more wide open, and you might be better off giving guys minutes. Like last year, Sherman McNeil couldn't get in the floor because Haley was there and was good and was trusted. I think Huggins has every reason to trust McNeil and Sherman now more than he did before. Obviously, trust McBride more now than he did before. I think those three can easily gobble up eight point four and twenty four point two. Well, that leads me to my next question. So when I was trying to put the the preview together, trying to make a prediction, I started thinking about this team, their performance last year, how it might translate to this year. Tell me, you know, because, again, uh, it's like 80% of points, rebounds, assists, 80% of the stats basically are back from last year, which yeah. is, you know, one of the tops in the country, which typically translates well uh, to success. Is that really one of the tops? Because I was looking at it. It's like 77 and 74, not to correct you, but like that's that's pretty good. And I was thinking every now and then you see a team that has like 90% of its points back. Oh, and really? I was wondering, no, I was wondering like where that ranked. I don't know. I was wondering. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Kevin, Flair, again, Flaherty, when we were looking at the stats, he told me that was one of the tops in the country. I don't have exact rankings, but yeah, um, I don't know. But it's good. We'll leave it at a good because that wasn't part of my question. My question is <laughs> who from that team, from these guys coming back? Can you tell me who played to their full potential last season? With regard to what? But this basketball team. Like right. it, individually. Who played like what was that was Derek Culver 2021 or 201920 Derek Culver? Was that the best Derek Culver? No. Was you know 2019, 2020, George. Jordan McCabe, was that the best Jordan McCabe? Best possible. No. I mean, best one so would, far, I guess, for WVU, but what they're actually capable of, I think. Is I would I'm have a hard time finding an answer to that question, to be honest with you. That's um, that's my point. I, I, I'm having a hard time. You know, oh. obviously Oscar and Miles were, were freshman sensations last year, but they were also, I think people forget this, 
they were pretty darn darn inconsistent. Like, I mean, I mean, more McBride than than Oscar, but McBride had games where he just disappeared. There was a stretch there. Uh, was it after the Ohio State game? You know, Ohio State game or the uh, Cancun Challenge, where you know he was on top of the world and then followed it up with five straight games of one for ten, three for ten, one for seven, and so on. And and Oscar had a game where he twenty and seventeen, and then followed it up with three and four, and and four fouls. Yeah. So again, who are you looking at here from this team that was a Sweet Sixteen type team? And everybody's coming back. Who who was playing to their full potential last year? And I'm not sure there was one, which That's is a good sign for this season, I think. Yeah, just the expected improvement for a talent like Shibway. Um, McBride seems like he's he's on the ascendancy, and that's great. And you had guys who reverted, frankly, like McCabe and Matthews, especially. They're not. I don't think of their players who. I think they're far more like they were as freshmen than they were as sophomores. I think there's something to be said about sophomore slumps, and you know maybe you don't. Talk yourself into working as hard because you think you got to figure it out, or maybe you just don't have the luck. But then again, more minutes from McNeil and and Sherman. Osaboyan doesn't have as much to work on because he's pretty, he's positively limited. They don't ask him to do a lot, so he gets better at what he does. Like there's there's a lot of growth potential for this team. I'm with you there. I see what you're selling. I might even yeah. buy it too. There you go. Because I was like I said, I, I came up with what did I say? Twenty one and six out of these twenty seven games, something like that. Twenty and seven, twenty one and six, and it took everything I had not to, to, to do better. And I think, uh, you know, 20, you know, 23 and three or something crazy like that. But I think that just speaks to how not, not that I think less of this, this team, mm-hmm. but just how darn good this big 12 conference is. All right, let's do this in close. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go one through 13 on the roster, not spend a lot of time on it, but what you hear, what you know, what you think about these guys. So not, not like paragraphs or monologues here because we we're getting long, but I think people want to know what's up with guys that they haven't, have not heard about. What's the outside appearances? What do we think? Um, let's begin with. We're just going to go alphabetical. Jalen okay. Brooks, um, really good shooter, deceivingly tall. Just need some time. Yeah, uh, I think shocked a lot of people with just how good he was of a shooter from the outside. Curious to see if he can be a four, if he can rebound well enough to be the four in a lineup. Huggins said he was like their best offensive rebounder last year at the end of the really? season. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, potential. Well, that might answer my, qu- my a- question answered already. Book it. Let's go. Isaiah Cottrell. Um, someone mentioned Brady Manic to me, <laughs> which oh. is actually a compliment because that, that dude's tough. Um, he's 6'10, 225, 235, but he, he shoots threes and he rebounds. And they're like, listen, he could be that Cottrell guy. I don't like. You should watch some of these Derek Culver videos, by the way. I know I'm going long now, but go back and watch the Culver videos on our site. He's extremely honest about Cottrell. Says that he needs to get tougher. He's probably too soft right now. And once he does, he'll learn to be. He'll become a really good player. And he also talks about how like what a mess it was playing with Shibway last year, and how Shibway just kind of didn't know what he was doing. But that's the, that's in the past now, and it should be better. But anyways, Cottrell, stretch four is is manic right or is up the first hand that came to this person's head? I don't know, but like you're looking at a guy who's going to be outside end player at least early on. Uh, yeah, a better compliment to playing with Culver than Oscar and, and also with Oscar instead of Culver, but still not sure he's going to get more than 10 minutes a game. All right, you go first here. Culver. Culver. Uh, big. Is this going to be and for him? 
his team always wins. Now, he's playing with a lot of his classmates. So you're, you're figuring Matthews and McCabe are going to be on that team. That's a pretty good start. But his team typically does well, and he's the reason why. And if he's a good practice player, maybe that's been a knock on him. But like his his maturation and improvement off the floor is why he's become such a good player on the floor. You could probably expect a lot this year. Kedria uh, Johnson. Brings something that is lacking on this team, skill set that's lacking on this team, but maybe a year away from being a major contributor. Yeah, spark plug could come off the bench and give you a boost, but right now, what are they expecting? I don't know. And then one more aside here. Chris, he's point guard three. I talked about how I didn't think he'd play point guard. Huggins said that he's playing point guard. Um, I'm told that the reason is they got so many two guards and so many wing players, and Johnson's so good. Let's try him at point guard and see what happens. It's kind of like when you have a bunch of corners and the guy's really good, put him at safety. It's like they're just giving him a chance to see what he can do a point guard and learn. And obviously that, that may be part of his future too, because he could be here a while. So um, I think we agree on that though. It could be a while before he's on the floor. Uh, back to me, Matthews. People are holding their breath, I guess. Um, did not show great signs last year, but a really good kid got his head on right. Obviously talented and is probably mad about the way he played last year and knows he's better. So I think a lot of people are expecting him to be much more who they thought he would be. Who who he and we thought he can be is Spanish Emmett Matthews. And if West Virginia gets Spanish, 75% of Spanish Emmett Matthews, then they got a really good Emmett Matthews. Miles McBride. Super talented. Uh, Great with the ball in his hand, a playmaker, uh, no nerves. I think he can make a, a little be more consistent. Not sure I'm buying the first round NBA draft pick talk. There's there's palpable buzz, Chris, that a big year might get him going. I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, he's been their best player so far. So that's on a talent like a team that has like this much talent for people to say that. That's that's pretty good. Uh, Jordan McCabe. So I think he's impressed. I think he's set up to be, again, in a, in a good situation for him where he's working around ball screens and his shooting off the dribble, which is what he's good at. I don't think you'll see him in the paint or trying to drive and score a lot unless he's trying to get in there and dish it out. But, um, again, probably more on track, similar to Matthews, to what they thought he'd be. I think he's he's solid ball handler. I think you'll see him at the end of some games. Uh Really, it's he's going to be that guy that Huggins is going to determine within the first five minutes if he's going to play 20 minutes or if he's going to play six minutes. Sean McNeil. Uh, big fan. Big, strong, athletic, uh, like I talked about earlier. I think I think if they get more spread out, he's a guy that can shoot 40% from three. Yeah, underrated Outside in game too, he's pretty good at getting his shot when he has the ball. So a dribble, a dribble, a drive, a pull up, or something like that. Again, not a guy who's going to beat you at the rim, but he's going to beat you from the three point line to like that fifteen foot area. And he showed that at times last year too. And, and maybe a little bit deceiving as a defender, which you said athletically probably more than you think. Um, again, that's a guy who could a month from now be like, oh my gosh, what a difference this guy's made. Uh, Senny Njai, I'm not just hey the tallest tier leader they have probably this year. We'll see what happens with him. Maybe he gets into a game when they're boat racing somebody. It doesn't matter because he's going to redshirt no matter what this year. Um, but we'll see. Um, Osaboyan, I, I kind of tip my hand here. He's going to be better at what he did than last year because he doesn't have to do a lot last year. He doesn't have to do nearly as much this year. So he's going to be really good defensively passing. Um, 
occasional jumper and then just getting the easy, I don't want to say garbage because that's that's a derogatory. Self-made baskets. How's that around the basket? Uh, really good glue guy for this team and what they want to do and who they want to, what, what persona they want to have. Yeah, 15 to 20 minutes, defense, rebounding, hustle. That's what West Virginia needs. I really, really hope uh, this was that, that uh, roll and replace that we were talking about earlier where one mm-hmm. big man rolls and then the other one comes up to the top of the key. I really hope they do not give Gabe the ball at the top of the key to try to drive when his man's already 15 feet off of him <laughs> again this year. Sorry, that that bugged the living crap out of me last year. It was he was so good at driving <laughs> that the other team was like, we should, we probably should respect that. And then they took away the drive and he kept driving. Um, speaking of Taz Sherman, uh, seven foot tall, great wing player. Um, I think he can. <laughs> I he, again, we we uh, I'm I'd like to see him get more consistent minutes. We saw it last year where he was all of a sudden caught fire. Uh, made a bunch of threes, had a couple of games in a row where he was basically the only offense for this team and then was just on the bench again and not playing that much. And, I, you know, we know Huggins loves defense. We know there's other reasons to not play. You know, offense isn't going to always get you on. But I'd like to see more consistent minutes so that he can consistently be a scorer for this team. I miss the Jay Sean Page heat check. Remember that, where he would make like two threes in a row and then he'd like hit a, hit a step-in jumper and all of a sudden he may get 20 this half. Yeah. Um, I think Sherman has that heat check potential where he's he's just a good player. I mean, he can he can drive, he can get his own shot, he can take on the post sometimes, he can make threes. I, I feel like that's a guy who could he could win you a game on the road. Uh, I, I'm excited about him. I thought he was going to be good last year. I think the fact that he's healthy at the start this year and and, and not working through some stuff is going to be good too. I, I just feel like that's a guy that's going to make a difference this year in his improvement too. Uh, Taj Thweet, I don't want to put him in the Seni Enjai because I've heard he's been good and impressive and. I don't know if he's got like a future as an Osaboyan or if that's limited for his potential. But this is a guy who's gotten a whole lot better recently. I mean, I'm late on in his high school career, and I just think he fits like a Huggins West Virginia player, and he'll get a year to put him on the floor whenever that is. I think they're going to like what they see. I just don't know when they're going to put him on the floor or how long they'll put him on the floor. Yeah, in full agreement, I think he has a better chance of playing than Injai, and I think he's better than Gabe. But with Gabe as a senior there and with the, uh, you know, Oscar Culver already there, it's going to be tough for him to see big minutes because he's not an outside guy. Um, he's athletic enough to run around out there, but he can't shoot out there. I don't think he can truly guard guards uh, or true wings out there. So he might be a year away from being a big time contributor. But you're right. I think he's the perfect Bob Huggins power forward. Jersey, too, just so he comes with all the the pre-wiring and the, the mm-hmm. batteries are included so to speak on that one uh last one so glad you get to go first oscar Sheepway. uh looking for more consistency this year i i think he'll do it i think he's going to be the first double double guy since kevin jones and once that happens hello nba draft that's all i got for you mike I, i'm you, not going much you, more do you cross your fingers on this stuff this year with him i, I don't i don't know i just I could see a situation where, like, I'm not saying sophomore slump, but I could see a situation where hey, it just it just doesn't go as far or as high or as quickly as you want, and you wonder what's going to happen there. And like, let's face it, there were some outside influences that had people worried this summer. Uh, we've been over that, um, but I don't know. But I would say this: I don't think you worry about what's between the ears of him when it comes to what's between the lines. I, I think he's going to work and work and work. It looks like he was obsessed with his shooting in the off season, um, and when you talk to him. 
when you zoom with him, it, he he knows what he has to do, which for a guy who can do so much, you would think, or who could have so many people telling him he can do so much, if he's plugged in to what they want him to do, then again, just, just do what you do, what you're good at. Don't worry about the other stuff. And by the way, if you can make some 15-footers, that's great. Um, boy, the potential for him to have a monster season is immense. I, I, I'm, I'm buying into that way more than the doomsday scenario I started with. I think he's going to be on track here. Yeah, because even, I mean, I, I mentioned, you know, how he's inconsistent. He had a couple games that were like three points, four rebounds and stuff. Even with all that, he was, what, half a rebound short from a double-double? So I don't think, you know, predicting a double-double for the year is, is is that out of line right now. All right, some promotion here. Go check out Chris's 4,000-word preview, <laughs> which has been remarkably consistent. What is it, seven out of nine years? Seven out of nine years. On. Uh, it's going to be tough to do it this year because I, I have a feeling, you know, I'm predicting 27 games and then they're going to play 23. But I'll find some way to pat myself on the back about it. Don't worry. And then check out the videos. They've um, they've got a bunch of characters who are really good speakers and are really entertaining. And uh, Culver, like I said, is extremely honest in some of his stuff. Um, McCabe is a treat to talk to every time. And then some good stuff from Sherman about why he'll be better and why his surrounding cast will be better. That's just a sample. We've also talked to some other players from in previous iteration, but the ones that are up there right now, those three are good. And then... We'll have, um, man, this time next week, Chris, we'll be actually talking about perhaps the championship game of this event, provided it goes off because West Virginia goes Northern Iowa and then either Memphis or St. Mary's and then some can of soup on the other end will be waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, going to be a busy week, uh, obviously, you know, bye week for football, but then we're right back into the mix next week. We're going to have, by the way, Oklahoma. Cream- Oh, is that is that who they're playing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty big game, pretty exciting game. Uh, last home game of the year, and I I just posted uh, VIP buzz because all of a sudden West Virginia just cranked out mm, six, seven new offers last night out of the middle of nowhere. Not out of the middle of nowhere. Obviously, they it's odd, it's off week, and they gather together to look at film and make decisions on offers. So it's a, a lot of recruiting news coming down the pike, especially. You know, this is 2022 class, but then 2021 signs in three weeks, yeah, three and a half weeks. So a lot of recruiting stuff coming, a lot of basketball stuff coming, and, and we've got football. This is probably the busiest time of year when, when basketball and football crossover and, and recruiting is coming down the home stretch. Always exciting, always on earsports.com. Check us out. We'll be back sometime soon with something else for your ears. Uh, we're not going to back out on you, I promise. Until then, I am Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.